we're in this series, we're looking at some Old Testament stories and some things that God prescribed in the Old Testament. And so uh, today we're looking at uh, Joshua chapter 6 and 7. So if you want to find your way there, that would be great. This is a picture of the Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati. Uh, the Cincinnati Reds have won 12 of the last 13. Somehow Atlanta finally figured out a way to beat them last night. But anyway, uh, we've been doing great. That has nothing to do with the message. But a few years ago at the, Paul, uh, at the Great American Ballpark, there was a guy named David Horton. And he shows up. He is on parole. And uh, he shows up with his girlfriend. There were about 20,000 uh, fans in the stands. And they do the kiss cam, and if you don't know what that is, they'll put a, a you know, they'll select some people in the, in the uh, crowd, and they're supposed to kiss. And so uh, Horton was on kiss cam, he was with his girlfriend, uh, he gave her a big kiss. It just so happened that his parole officer was also in the stadium that day. And by the time the game was over, Mr. Horton was in uh, custody and spent four and a half years in prison. Because there's a verse that you really probably should put to mind, and it is, you can be sure that your sins will find you out. And so today we're talking about a guy named Achan, and he had a secret sin, and it just didn't stay secret. And at Christmas we sing that Santa Claus is coming to town, and the chorus is, he sees you when you're sleeping, he knows when you're awake, he knows when you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. It applies to Santa, and it applies... To the Lord. And so we're going to look at that today. Okay, so let me set up the story for you. A few weeks ago, we talked about uh, Joshua and the battle of Jericho. And so God gives him instruction. They go around the city of Jericho one time for six days and seven times on the seventh day. And on the seventh time around, they blow the horns and they yell, and the walls came tumbling down. And it was this victory that was miraculous and unbelievable. And so there's an expression you all have all heard it, to the victor goes the spoils. And there was an instruction. Once Jericho was sacked, there was something, some things to be done. Now, the, the people of Israel had really never battled before. This was their, kind of their first battle, and they didn't really do much. They marched around, and then the walls came tumbling down. God sort of gave them this victory. And so, to the victor goes the spoils. Well, since God did most of it, then God gets the spoils. So, I'm going to read a couple of verses to you, but we're going to ask some questions at the end, and I want you to be ready. So I'm going to ask them, and you can, you can uh, yell the answers when, when you know the answer. But let me, let me prep you on what to look for. We're going to ask three questions. What were the Israelites allowed to take out of Jericho? What were they allowed to take individually? Uh, the second question is, who knew what they were allowed to take? The third question is, what happens if they disobeyed that particular order? Okay, let's look at the verses. Joshua commanded the army, the city, Jericho, and all that is in it are to be de uh, devoted to the Lord. Keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise... You'll make the camp of Israel liable to the destruction, uh, to destruction and bring trouble on it. All the silver and gold and articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go into the treasury. So what were the people allowed to take for themselves? Nothing. But nothing. Who knew the rule? Everybody. What happens if you disobey the rule? 
It says, Israel will be liable to destruction. And, and in sports sometimes, coaches will say, okay, we're going to run this drill, and if, we don't, if everyone doesn't run it perfectly, we're all going to run. We're all going to do suicides. We're all going to, uh, there's accountability. So you need, to, you need to cheer your teammates on to do it right because we all don't want to run. It, it is this idea of, of accountability among the ranks. Well, okay, that, that's a pretty good explanation. But I, I'm going to allow Colonel Nathan Jessup to describe it for you. Here we go. Long ago, you said you ordered a Santiago wasn't in touch. That's right. And Lieutenant Kendrick was clear on what you wanted him to do. Chris. Any chance Lieutenant Kendrick ignored the order? Ignored the order? Any chance he forgot about it? No. Any chance Lieutenant Kendrick left your office and said, the old man walked? No. When Lieutenant Kendrick spoke to the platoon and ordered them out of Santiago, any chance he ignored him? Whoever served in an infantry unit, son? Yes. Ever served in a forward area? Yes. Put your life in another man's hands? Ask him to put his life in yours? Yes. We follow orders, son. We follow orders or people die. It's that simple. Are we clear? Yes. Are we clear? Chris. Are you clear? Okay, so we have it established that there are orders. The order was you go in, you destroy everything that's living, you take the valuable things, and they're going to go into the Lord's treasury. That is the order. You don't take anything for yourself this time. There are going to be other battles. There are going to be other opportunities. This isn't the opportunity. Today, you're going to destroy every living thing in Jericho, the stuff that's valuable, we're going to put into the Lord's treasury. Everybody knew the order. So look what happens. Then they burned the whole city and everything in it, but they put the silver, gold, articles of bronze and iron into the treasury of the Lord. Order given, order received, order obeyed. Perfect. Then you turn the page to Joshua chapter 7. And there's a conjunction there. A little word, but. Now, this little word can really change an entire story. So, if you're a guy and you ask a girl out on a date, and she says, I would really like to go, but... Changes the whole story. What she's basically saying is... I would rather gargle in motor oil than go out with you, and I'm going to come up with an excuse to try to save your feelings. I'd really like to go, but uh, my socks are just in disarray, uh, you know, or something like that. And, and so the, oh, the, the order was given, the order was received, the order was obeyed, kind of, mostly, mostly. But the Israelites were unfaithful. By the way, the way this is written in the Hebrew, it says they were unfaithfully unfaithful. It is like, it is emphasized. They were really unfaithful in regard to the voted things. This is funny to me. This is a really serious verse, but this is kind of funny. 
He says, Achan, and it's almost like they go, Achan, ain't that Ray Ray's boy? It's like, no, no. Achan, son of Carmi, son of Zimri, son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah. You have no doubt who he's talking about. It, it, ain't, it ain't Achan, Ray Ray's boy. It's Achan, look, it's Zimri and, and Carmi and Zerah. By the way, we glaze over whenever we read these genealogies. They're really difficult sometimes. You know, Billy Bob begat Bobby Bob, you know, that kind of thing. And so they're really hard. But for a Jewish mind, they cared about your clan, where you're from. They cared about it. And so, really interesting, Zerah was the illegitimate son of Judah. Judah got together with his daughter-in-law, sounds like a Jerry Springer show, uh, and had this son named Zerah. So they would, have, they would have said to themselves, oh, that family. Y'all know that. Y'all, y'all do that in South Carolina because we do it in Kentucky. Oh. They're from Corbin? Uh, yeah, they're, they're from Junction City. Oh. So you kind of you do that. Here, I think it's Marietta. Uh, anyway, I don't know that. I don't know. I don't know that for sure. I'm not certain that's true. I don't know. I don't know anything. Take that back. Can you cut that out? Uh, I don't know anything. So they know who it is. And then it says, Achan took some of them. So the Lord's anger burned against everybody. The Lord's anger burned against everyone because that was the commandment. Nobody takes anything or there's going to be trouble in Israel. And there was trouble in Israel. Now, up to this point, nobody knows what Achan has done. Everybody is kind of cool. They, they kind of don't know that anything's happened. So the story goes on. Joshua sent men from Jericho. When I grew up, this was called Ai. I think the, the correct pronunciation is I. We're going to go with I. Uh, now, uh, Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Beth-Avon, to the east of Bethel, and told them, go up, spy out the region. So the men went up and spied out Ai or I. When they returned to Joshua, they said, not all the army will have to go up against I. Send two or 3,000 men to take it, and do not weary the whole army, for only a few people live there. It, it doesn't seem like it's going to be much of a, channel, a challenge. When it says go up, he literally means go up. Jericho is 900 feet below sea level. I is 2,600 feet above sea level. So it's a 3,500-foot uh, elevation change from Jericho to I. Just to get your mind around that, if you've ever hiked Table Rock, it's about 2,300 feet uh, of elevation. That's a lot faster. I think from one to the other, uh, from here, from I to Jericho, 12, 15 miles. But still, you're, you're hiking through a ravine. It's difficult. So they went, went up. And, and he says, don't weary everybody. That, that's a hard hike. <laughs> so the spies come back and they say, dude, that, that's going to be tough. So why don't we just send two or 3,000 people? I mean, we don't need to send everybody. And then this expression, not all the army will have to go. The Hebrew for that, I have it right here. The Hebrew is, let me see if I can find it. Um, Al-Koi-Am, 
which literally should translate easy peasy lemon squeezy. Uh, that's what he's saying. This is not going to be difficult. If you memorize verses, there's one you really need to put on your agenda to memorize, and it's this one. Pride comes before a fall. So, remember Jericho. God said to Joshua, this is what you do. He gave him explicit instructions. This time, Joshua's like, I'm not going to worry God with this particular battle. Can you imagine that, saying that to yourself? I'm going to send spies. I mean, we've already won a battle. We, we are bad boys. That's what he We are bad. We don't, we don't particularly need God to help us in all this. What's really interesting is, I want you to think about this militarily, strategically. All right? So, if you're coming up a ravine into a valley, and the place you're attacking is above you, who is strategically in a better position? Anybody up. If they're up, they get to shoot down. They, get to, they can roll rocks down the hill. I mean, they can, they can do a lot of different things to attack you from an elevated position. Now, anyone with any military acumen, in fact, even us, it's not like we went to military college or anything, we knew this. They didn't know this. They really probably should have prayed about this, but they didn't. So about 3,000 men went up. Remember the spies said two or 3,000? Joshua's like, well, we'll go on the fat side of that. We'll go 3,000. 3,000 men went up, but they were routed by the men of Ai, who killed about 36 of them. That's interesting to me. About 36? I mean, like, we didn't bother to count. Uh, about 36 of them. And they chased the Israelites from the city gate as far as the stone quarries and struck them down on the slopes because they were in an elevated position. They were attacking down the slopes. And at this, the hearts of the people melted in fear and became like water. Well, yeah. I mean, we went to Jericho and we crushed it. And now we go to little podunky little I. It, this would be uh, tantamount to, you know, you, you defeated Greenville... Uh, but, but you can't defeat Travel's Rest. You know, you, uh, we, we, we just did this really big thing, and now we can't beat these people. And the thought process would have been this. If we can't beat them, we can't beat anybody. Remember, it said there are very few people who live in I. And this little town was strategic it was on the northwest, uh, north, north, uh, north south, sorry, north south route, caravan route. If you're going to get military north or south, you went through I. I mean, this was really strategic. And they're like, well, I mean, that was our whole game plan. Our game plan was to attack this city, take it over, so then we can run operations north and south. And that's just all gone. So Joshua is a man of God, he starts to pray. He says, ah, sovereign Lord, why did you ever even bring this people across the Jordan and deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? Has God actually delivered them into the hand of the Amorites to destroy them? Did he do that? No. You had one defeat. 
Sometimes you experience defeats in life. It was one battle. You lost one battle, and you didn't even try hard. We, we have this tendency. I appreciate Joshua because he kind of is like lots of us. We have this tendency. We'll, we'll suffer a minor setback, and we make it into God doesn't even care about me anymore. You know? I got a flat tire. Where's God? Well, you get flat tires sometimes. You know, sometimes stuff happens. And AII happened, and, and uh, he is whining like a baby. I love what God said to him. The Lord said to Joshua, will you stand up? That's how it reads. Dude, come on. Stand up. What are you doing on your face? Why are you praying? He basically says, why are you praying? You messed up. Look what he says. Israel has sinned. Now, it was just Achan, but it was Israel because the, the rule was, the command was, remember, we command orders or people die. Are we clear? Crystal, thank you. Yeah, I'm going to do it one more time later on. I need you to work with me. Okay. Israel has sinned. They violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They've taken some of the devoted things. They've stolen. They've lied. They have put them with their own possessions. Now, you have to understand, these are poor people. They, they come from slavery. Now, certainly they sacked the Egyptians on the way out. But it's not like they're used to having things. And so Joshua calls all the men together, and he uh, has a show called The Price is Right, uh, and he begins to eliminate people, right? Higher, lower, you know, uh, and he plays this game. Uh, so uh, it's, it's, this, uh, it's this tribe, so all the other 11 tribes get to leave. And of this tribe, it's this clan, so all the other clans get to leave. And of this clan, it's this family, and all of the other families get to leave. And eventually it gets down to Achan. And during this whole process of tribe and clan and family, during this whole process, Achan could have and should have said, I'm guilty. You don't have to do this. We, we don't need to do this. It's me. It's on me. He could have. He should have. So one has to wonder, if Achan wouldn't admit it, was he hoping somebody else was going to get pinched for what he did? Because that sure seems like the case. It, it, it seems like Achan was like, man, I hope somebody else you know, gets tagged on this. Because I did it, but my sin is secret. Nobody knew. Or so he thought. Look what happens. Then Joshua said to Achan, My son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, by telling the truth. My son, how warm is that? We live in a society that doesn't think you can be loving and firm at the same time. We, we live in a world where we're told, uh, if, if you're firm, you're not loving. Well, he's, he's loving, but he's firm. He says, Achan, man, my son, tell the truth. Make a confession. 
and tell me what you've done. Don't hide it from me. Come clean. You just need to come clean. We know you're guilty, so you just need to come clean. And Achan confessed. It's true. I've sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. Among the plunder, I saw a beautiful robe from Babylon, 200 silver coins, and a bar of gold weighing more than a pound. That's a lot of stuff. It's a lot of stuff. And I wanted them so much that I took them, and they are hidden in the ground beneath my tent, and the silver buried deeper than the rest. His, his confession is quite complete. I took the stuff. This is what I took. There's a robe. Under the robe, you're going to find it in my tent. Under the robe, there's a bar of gold. Under the gold, you're going to find the silver coins. Keep digging until you get to the silver coins. That's the end of the stuff I took. And Joshua's loving, and he's firm. Then Joshua, together with all Israel, took Achan, son of Zerah, the silver the robe, the gold bar, his sons and daughters, his cattle, donkeys and sheep, his tent, and all that he had to the valley of Achor. And if we had music playing behind me right now, there would be ominous music playing. Uh-uh-uh. Because bad stuff is about to happen to Achan. All right? You're thinking it's going to be bad? Then you are correct. And Joshua said... Why have you brought this trouble on us? The Lord will bring trouble on you today. Then all Israel stoned him. And after they had stoned the rest, they burned them. There's this debate. Did all of Achan's family get stoned or just Achan? Super interesting here. Notice that who wasn't listed when he said they brought the family out. The wife wasn't listed. Um... Here's what I think you can think. I mean, I'm not certain about this, and scholars aren't certain about this. But it seems like when it says, all Israel stoned him, I think the rest is probably the animals he had. I think the children not, because in Deuteronomy it explicitly says that a child shouldn't be executed for the sins of a father. So I don't think it was. If they were executed along with Achan, it was because they were complicit. They, they knew. They should have said something. So it could be that the family was all stoned, but probably, I think, just him and his kids. All right. So what can we, what can we glean from this? I mean, there, there's stuff to be learned. Let's, let's learn some things. There's a predictable path into sin. It, it is so predictable that we're going to look at it, and I'm going to give you two more examples. Okay? Really predictable. All right? Look. Among the plunder, I saw a beautiful robe. Temptation begins with seeing. So, it's, temptation's not a sin. Jesus was tempted. The Bible says he was tempted in every way, and yet he didn't sin. Being tempted is not a sin. You see certain things. Men notice beautiful women. They just do. Now, you can ask your husband or your boyfriend right now, and they're going to say, I don't. They're lying. <laughs> we have a word for that in Scripture, liar. They do. It, it, we notice. It's okay. You can notice. Billy Graham one time said, you can't keep the birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. And so there's a, a second step. He, he says, I, wanted, I love the way it said. I wanted them so much. Coveting. 
It's in the Big Ten, you know, uh, the, the Big Ten Commandments. It's one of them. Thou shalt not covet. Coveting is when I look, I see, and I begin to think about what it would be like to have it. Uh, in, in the sexual realm, it's lust. I see this beautiful woman. Now I want to have this beautiful That's the second step. You don't have to go there. The Bible says flee temptation. Flee. You, don't, you, can, you can see and then flee. Oh, that rhymes. I like that. Uh, you can see and then flee. You don't have to stay there. So here's, in my mind's eye, Achan goes in. Oh, there's some stuff. Ooh, I like it. Me like it. Uh, but it, he could have walked out. Oh, wait, 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 wait. There's a rule. There's a command. I can't take this. This is dedicated to God. So I walk away. He didn't have to linger. He says, I saw and I wanted. I saw it and I wanted it. And Jesus says about, let's go to women just for a second. You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And Jesus is saying, look, you're at the second step now, there's a real difference between the second step and the third step. We're going to talk about it. The third step is taking. It's one thing to covet. It's something completely different to take. So when Jesus said, uh, you, you've already committed adultery with, in your heart, but think about the difference between in your heart and actually doing it. If I lust, I've sinned against God. I've sinned maybe against my wife. My confession should probably be just to God. It might hurt my wife. So if I, if I covet, if I lust, it's a sin against God. If I take, well now it's, all, it's a whole different ballgame. Now I've sinned against God, my wife, my family, the other woman, the other woman's family, my church, maybe my, my job, my employer. I mean, there's a big difference between coveting and taking. And if we linger too long on the coveting, well then all of a sudden we're going to want to do the taking and then we do the hiding. It's how it works all the time. We see, we covet, we take, we hide. And I was thinking, okay, what are the things that pop into my mind when I think about hiding sin? Well, Watergate, that was the first one that came up. A few years ago, there were the priests and, and young boys, that one came up. Jerry Sandusky came up. Uh, Chernobyl, you know, the Russians had this nuclear thing that went awry and they didn't tell anybody for days and days and days. Uh, if you ever watched the movie Aaron Brockovich, there was some kind of something with the water and nobody wanted to talk about that. Uh, these are just the first five I came up with. There are literally thousands, hundreds of thousands of examples because we have a tendency to hide. Think about King David. King David, this is the pattern. He's on the roof of the palace. He looks over the roof. He sees a beautiful woman bathing. He sees. And then he says to himself, mm, it's in Scripture. Uh, mm, 
I like what I see. That's what he, uh, I like that. Woo. It would be great to have her. So he goes and investigates. He sends somebody, find out who that, who that gal is. And they come back and they say, hey, man, that's Bathsheba. She's got a husband. His name is Uriah. But I'm David. I'm the king. I'm going to get what I want. And so the king sins for Bathsheba knowing she's someone else's wife. She has a husband and a life. And the king sees and he covets and he takes. And Bathsheba gets pregnant and he hides. He hides it. This is just a predictable pattern. In the Garden of Eden, Eve, she sees fruit. She covets it because it's good for gaining knowledge. She takes it. She gives it to Adam. And before you know it, what are they doing? What's the last thing they do? They hide. It happens every time. Clear? Thank you. All right, good. You're good. You're good. All right. Sin's second thing won't stay secret forever. Look what it says. Jesus said there's nothing. That's a pretty big word. It's a pretty strong word. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. Man, Achan went in there and he got this stuff and he stuffed it up under his robe and he's walking out, you know, like this. And he doesn't think anyone sees him. He kind of peeks his head around. He's looking left, looking right. He's looking. He doesn't think anyone knows. Beware, your sin will find you out. Guys, do you think nobody knows? What you're looking at online at night. And ladies, do you think nobody knows those conversations you have in those chat rooms? I'm going to tell you this. There are at least four entities that know. God, the government, Google, and some dude in China. Uh, Everybody knows. Everybody knows. I was trying to come up with another G, but I couldn't think of a good Chinese G name. So, uh, some dude in China. Look. Somebody knows. The other day, Miriam and I were talking about, I was talking about buying a blade for my weed eater. That's not something everybody talks about. It's not like I was talking about, hey, where do you get some ribs? Uh, it was a blade for my weed eater. The ne- I'm not lying. The next time I got on Facebook, you know what they were advertising? Yep. Weed eater blades. Look, it could have been coincidence. But it wasn't. People know. Look, if you if you don't, look, if you've ever watched 15 minutes of a Jason Bourne movie, you know they're watching you. But if nobody else was watching, God was watching. I mean, the point is, Aiken didn't think anybody knew, and maybe nobody knew, except God knew. And in Romans it says, the day is coming when God through Christ will judge everyone's, oh, secret life. You might be really good at hiding it. But someday, look, there's some things you can't hide. 
You have raw onions for lunch, you ain't hiding that. I mean, I don't care what you do. You, you have Cheetos, you ain't hiding it. Got orange fingers. I mean, there's stuff you can't hide. And here is a text that says there's coming a day when even your secret life will be revealed. The third thing is, my sins hurt other people. You'll hear folks say, oh, this isn't hurting anyone else. I'm, uh, what I'm doing it doesn't hurt anybody else. Yeah, yeah. Let's take pornography, for example. You think nobody's hurt in that industry? It's the most ridiculous thing you could ever say. Children are hurt. Do you know sex trafficking with kids is exploding? It's ridiculous. It's evil. The women who are exploited, the people who produce those things, it hurts their souls. Think it doesn't hurt anybody? Ridiculous. It just is. That's why God said, look, don't take anything or it's going to affect everyone. And one fellow took some stuff and it affected everyone. 36 men died. 36 mothers lost their sons. 36, I mean, some of them might have been fathers, might have been husbands. Didn't affect anybody but Achan? I don't think so. It's the same with our sin. The fourth thing is, my sin blocks my prayers. Look at this verse from, from David. If I had cherished sin, that word, by the way, cherish means, it's like uh, patting your pet. If I cherish, if I linger over sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened to me. We can't sin and expect, expect the relationship with God to be okay. Look, there, there's, there's a saying, and you all have heard it, sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, cost you more than you want to pay. That's just the way it works. Now, that's all bad. Let's look at the good news. There's a path that is predictable into sin, and there's a path that's quite easy out of sin. You have to see sin for what it is. Over Achan, they heaped up a large pile of rocks which remain to this day. There is a memorial. We're going to look at this in a few weeks about how God often sets up these stone memorials to remind His people of certain things. When, when the folks in Israel walked by Achan's stone pile, you don't think they thought about, oh man, I, I don't want to have a secret sin because it doesn't stay secret. My hometown is Danville, Kentucky. It's in central Kentucky. It's a beautiful place to grow up. has nice winding roads. It's a lot like this. Beautiful, kind of hilly. When I was in my late teens, one of my peers in high school received quite a gift for his 16th birthday. It was a shiny new Corvette. 16-year-old boys and Corvettes, bad combination. It was fast. It was a little you know, hard to handle. He was going too fast into a curve. He missed the curve. He hit a tree, and he died. Only child of this family. The dad was broken. And the dad, one night, took a chainsaw to that tree. Not his property. Had nothing to do with him. 
but he wanted to, to, he wanted to have vengeance on the thing that cost his son his life. God looks at sin like that. It costs us the full and meaningful life that he wants us to have. And so we, when we begin to see sin the way God sees sin, then it, it, it doesn't just hurt us and it doesn't just hurt the people we love. It hurts our Father who wants better than that for us. The second thing out of the path out of sin, this is it, by the way, it culminates by accepting God's forgiveness. Look at what happened in our story. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Take the whole army. It's different than the first time with you. Go up and attack I, for I have delivered into your hands the king of I, his people, his city, and his lands. The Bible says, Repent of your sins and turn to God, that your sins may be wiped away. Can you imagine what would have happened if Joshua had stood up in front of the, the people of Israel and he, he would have said, okay, we're going we're gonna to stone Achan because of what he did, but I'm going to take his place. Achan, you, you stand over there with your family. I'm taking his punishment. And if, if Joshua had said, okay, begin the stoning, and they had stoned him, and when he was near death, if he, if he had said, it is finished. See, Joshua didn't have that right. But the Old Testament name Joshua is the New Testament name Jesus. And there was a different Joshua, and he did that for us. I want to end with a quote from a guy named Adrian Rogers, great preacher. He's long past, but... He one time said, every sin we cover, God uncovers. And every sin we uncover, God covers. The gospel, <laughs> in two sentences, if you cover it up, man, God's going to expose it. But if you confess, He is faithful to forgive us of our sins. Let's pray. Father, thank You for this day. Thank You for this message, this challenge, this reminder this warning. We pray that if we're on the path of sin, that we will get off. When we are tempted, that we will flee. Lord, give my brothers and sisters in this room the strength to follow You well this week. We pray it humbly in Jesus' name. Amen.